Hello, everyone. This is Manny. And I'm Matt. And today, we just want to let you know real fast that we've changed the name of this podcast. Um, right. Before we're, we're, we're now calling it Me and My Big Dice. No, 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 no. That's not it. Big Natural Orbs. That, 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 that's a different type of podcast. Um, <laughs> Rolling with the good times. Okay, I'm sorry. What are we calling this thing? <laughs> um, big Blue Die. So the, the idea of Big Blue Die, and correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, is just uh, a discussion between friends and game masters. And we just sure, kind of talk yeah. about topics in gaming that we enjoy. I have a table of random conversation topics. And every week we're going to roll on the table and see what we get. Yes, yes. So you got some dice there, Manny? Oh, uh, actually, I don't. Where did I? <laughs> you don't have any dice. That's it. Show's over. <laughs> ah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's a big blue die. You can't see that, but, it, you know, okay. So roll that dice. What do we got? All right. 18. 18. Let me look at the table here. That's uh, dragons. We're going to talk about dragons today. All right. All right. So, so um, I'm the one I pretty much put the uh, put that on the list. And um, let me explain. <laughs> let me explain a little bit about how I feel about about dragons and role playing games. Um, okay. I so when I when I'm game mastering or dungeon mastering, um, I always try to keep things as fair as possible with the players and with myself when it comes to rolling and dealing with encounters and so forth. Well, you I know. suppose that's one way to do it. I try to keep, keep things fair, except on certain things. There's, there's certain creatures that I feel that if I'm putting them in a game, that I have to be as ruthless and cunning as the characters or these, cre- or, or these creatures are meant to be. Um, right. uh, I feel that way about Drow. You know, if you play a drown campaign, I, you have to be extremely clever and lucky to survive the Underdark, in my opinion, yeah. in my, in my yeah. games. Um, that um, Beholders, you know, Beholders are incredibly intelligent and powerful. And then last but not least, dragons. And I take, when you're fighting a dragon, when, you fight, when I'm playing a dragon, your, your characters are trying to defeat, defeat it or defeat them in some way. Um, I don't make it easy at all they're they're incredibly intelligent magical vicious powerful um i i take campaigns like that very seriously if i'm playing as a character in your campaign and i and if you're not taking dragons if you put a dragon in it and you're not taking it very seriously i personally i get very annoyed because i feel like that's a this is a chance for an epic time to role play and 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 if you're not using one of the most uh, iconic creatures of mythology then what are you doing that that's how i feel no i get it i get it personally i don't use dragons very often and for that reason they are just so deadly and um every time you see all this art and and uh you watch these movies and you see these pictures and everything and people are always fighting dragons and the dragons are just sitting on the ground and that always infuriates me because a dragon can fly. What is it doing there sitting on the ground where you can hit it? <laughs> Problem number one is the dragon's flying around in the air, just throwing down its breath weapon at you and you're shaking your fist at it. Mm. So, um, yeah, dragons are uh, very incredibly deadly. Or at least they should be, I think. Yeah. But um, so, so I've... 
I looked back at dragons from the older editions. I went back and starting with the, uh, you know, white box D and D zero edition um, in zero edition, you had, you had the traditional dragons, right? There were white, green, black, red, blue, and gold. And they also have, they had all the traditional breath weapons, right? Um, later in the Greyhawk supplement, which was uh, Gary's world, he added the Platinum Dragon King and his nemesis, the multi-headed chromatic dragon queen, which um, the advanced mod, the, I'm sorry, the advanced D&D &D, uh, monsters manual would tell us was Tiamat. But in Greyhawk, she didn't have a book, yet, a, a name yet. Oh, really? Yeah, she was just um, the dragon queen, the chromatic dragon queen. But in all other ways, she was Tiamat, right? She had heads of different colors and she was dedicated to evil and the platinum dragon king was dedicated to destroying her. So it was really interesting. Um, so in, in that original book, you had, um, th those books were very sparse. <laughs> uh, so you, it said that they could use their breath weapon three times a day. Uh, other than that, they, they bit and uh, they had claw attacks and you actually rolled a two six sider to determine whether the dragon was going to breathe or bite. Hmm. Um, and this is one thing I really like. This was the case for uh, zero edition, basic and advanced first edition. I don't, can't remember if it was this way in second edition. Um, a dragon's breath weapon does damage equal to its current hit dice, later current hit points. So uh, you, there was no rolling involved. Just, if the dragon had you know, 62 hit points, when it breathed fire, it did 62 points of damage. That's awesome. They, it, sort of, it, sort of, it sort of links the idea of, of their, their power equals their life. Yeah, I, I really liked it. Um, you know, one, for, for one thing, it made them super deadly. Um, you couldn't just have a terrible role and say the dragon breathes fire and does 12 hit points. Oh, come on. <laughs> uh, so, and, and I love the way it was tied to the health. So as the dragon lost health, his breath, breath weapon got smaller. So I like that. Uh, there was also percentages based on the dragon's type uh, for whether it could talk. And if it could talk, then maybe it could do some damage. And also whether uh, you found it sleeping. So when you came upon it, there was a percentage that it might be sleeping. So they couldn't all talk and um, they couldn't all do magic. Um, let's see what else they had. <laughs> I thought this was pretty funny. Number appearing was one to four. Oh, Jesus, <laughs> Gary, really four? Okay, fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Those are, those are apparently family groups in the original book, right? So it was male, female, and children, if you got more than one. Um, in basic D&D, &D, we got a few role-playing notes, uh, like dragons are vain and greedy and could be tricked. So that was pretty interesting. Um, and we didn't get dragon fear. That doesn't show up until advanced uh, Dungeons and Dragons. So Advanced Dungeons and Dragons added Dragon Fear and Latin. <laughs> when you look up the dragon's 
in the uh, monsters manual, they all have silly Latin names. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah, uh, the silver dragon, uh, Draco Nublius uh, Agentum. So noble silver dragon. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, yeah, because all those people in Greyhawk were speaking Latin. <laughs> One of the craziest rules uh, introduced right away was subduing. So apparently, if you uh, may, you could only, if you announced ahead of time that you were trying to subdue the dragon with every hit, and so you hit it with the flat of a sword, you could uh, get it to surrender. Uh, in in uh, in OD there was this weird, complicated formula where you took how much damage you would have done as a ratio to its hit points, and then rolled like a saving sort of thing, because Gary loved math. Uh, eventually, uh, someone just said, "No, why don't we just say that if you hit them with subduing damage and get them down to zero, they give up." Um, which is really weird. Um, you know, uh, it, it, it gets weirder, right? So after you subdued the dragon, it would, it would serve you until it got a chance to get away and, uh, or, or a set time, a set time elapsed, or <laughs> you could take it to town and sell it. Uh, and okay. to who? Who the hell is buying dragons? I think there's a. It says any medium has a dragon market. Any town? What? And and it says that the dragon quote selling it quote it it's going out of existence in the game. And in, in that it was removed from play. You, you sold it and, it and it went away. You know, in a lot of ways, the really old D&D, uh, like, you know, white box D&D, and because it grew out of wargaming, which was very kind of abstract and, and stuff, wargaming was just about the wars, it wasn't about anything else. <laughs> um, so it has things like this where you sell a dragon to get some money and it goes out of goes out of play, uh, even though none of that makes any sense. In that regard, it ironically feels like a computer role-playing game. It sounds like something you could do in a computer role-playing game, right? I, I killed the dragon, I took it back to town, I sold it to him, and I got a hundred rubles yeah. or whatever. <laughs> even though that makes no sense. <laughs> so, I thought that was funny. I thought that was pretty weird. Um, later, um, uh, that's so that that's what you get in zero edition. In basic edition, um, basic edition implies that other creatures can also be subdued. Because my first thought was, why is this only included for dragons? <laughs> like. Okay, you can you can subdue creatures. That's great, but the 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 time they decide to bring that up is like the biggest creature in the book. They don't they don't talk about subduing kobolds. No, it's how to subdue a black dragon. Yeah, that's interesting. It's that must be like such 
like old school thinking, like really old school thinking. Because nowadays, I don't think any players I've ever played with were like, "Hey, let's let's uh, capture them and these creatures and 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 sell them to the market." It just... <laughs> yeah. So, um, so with every little advanced D and D first edition. Um, gives us a little bit more information. It, it adds that dragons are cowards and suggests that that's why they can be subdued. Wow. Right? Yeah. So that's, it says very... that dragon, dragons are, are, are vain and greedy and proudful and, um, and, and cowards. They're kind of like bullies when you fight. So all I could think of was Farmer Giles of Ham. Have you read Farmer Giles of Ham by uh, Tolkien? Wow. Not in a long time. Because that's exactly what he do is he subdues the dragon and the dragon says, oh, no, please don't kill me. <laughs> okay. All right. I was wondering perhaps where he could have, Gygax or, or any of the writers would have gotten the idea for, for that. Just, to me, it just seems very, very odd because you look at dragons from second edition on, they're, they're cowardly is not a word I would think of. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think... I. <sighs> Yeah, I think coward may be too strong, but what what I think may be going on is that dragons have these long um, lineages and they're very proud. They're very vain. And so when you when you get them right to the point of death, they suddenly say, oh, my God, I can't die. I'm so important. I'm so great. You know, so instead of like, I, I guess they're they're suggesting that instead of getting, you know, flying into a rage and you know uh, getting reckless like if you back a bear into a corner they 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 instead you know um they're cunning they're wily and and they try to weasel the way out of there so they 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 surrender kind of in a live to fight another day sort of thing hmm. yeah okay. that's kind of what the interpretation they had there they they didn't there wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot of role playing hints there. You kind of had to work this out for yourself, hmm. you know. Um, so, well, that makes sense. I mean, what what dragons were known and popular in during those times? Like, like you mentioned uh, former Giles. Um, uh, there's also Smog, also from Lord of the Rings, which probably seemed very brave. Um, but I think a lot of people still look at Smog as kind of like the, the, arch the archetypical dragon. Um, but I think besides that, um, you also have different like legends and mythology how or from from snakes to winged serpents to dragons and how how's how they're most like some of them are well in the Western version they're sort of like tricksters and evil, while the Eastern version they're very noble and and full of wisdom. Um, yes. Yeah, no, that that's true. Um so but what you were talking about smog, right? Smog never had a chance to be brave. What did he do? He picked on a bunch of dwarves. You know, he used his flying ability, to, like like I said, to, uh, to you know just destroy a bunch of dwarves. He, he with a surprise attack, and then he attacked the men of Lake Town. What the hell is the men of Lake Town gonna do about it? And he yeah. destroyed Dale. I mean, he didn't get in any fight that he wasn't totally convinced he was gonna easily win. Hmm. So I can see him being a coward in the same way that. You know, your traditional bully is a coward. You think they're brave because they're always beating Beal up and winning. 
But when you look at it, you realize that they're only beating up people who can't fight back. Hmm. So maybe that's what they were getting at. I see. Yeah, no, it was interesting. I had a couple more thoughts. Um, uh, one, uh, they appear in a lot of, I'm sorry, they appear in a lot of uh, wandering monster charts, which I just thought was really too casual. Like, <laughs> kind of weird. Then <laughs> you would just, you know, maybe now wait so when you say in the, in the charts are they like 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 a like a one in 100 chance if you roll a one or or 100 or it's just like kind of more like just sprinkled throughout they're just sprinkled throughout they're just they're you know um some of the charts are tiered right so like you'd have a first level dungeon you know wandering monster level chart and you have like a sixth level so they'd be on the sixth level so i mean they're higher level monsters but um i don't know i suppose if i roll if i usually don't i don't use those charts a lot i use them for inspiration but if i rolled one it, it could happen again in farmer giles and hams that's how it happened the giles just stumbled upon the dragon um, but then you find out there's a whole backstory. So that's kind of what I would do if I rolled on that. I, I, yeah, you stumbled into a dragon. And then while you're fighting it, I'd be quickly trying to figure out what's it doing there. <laughs> you kind of reverse engineering, you know, giving it a backstory and figuring out why it's just wandering around. Hmm. That's the other thing uh, that struck me. So it's Dungeons and Dragons, right? Um, and... Uh, Dragons are on the chart for the deep level of dungeons. So if you look at the, the dragons, they list them by type and they list them their habitats where they live and everything. You know where none of them live? Dungeons. <laughs> There's not a single type of dragon on this chart that says they live underground. Of course they don't. They're giant flying lizards. Why would they live underground? Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, since then there have been underground lizards people you know people underground dragons they've made dragons that work underground and you can always kind of come up with a reason why it's underground um but again it's almost that sort of video game abstraction you know where you open the room you know you get to the bottom of the dungeon you open up dragon What's a dragon doing down here? How did it get through this? Ten, you know, how did it get through the, the, the corridor and through the door and into this room? Wow. Now, so, if I if I may ask, do you do you um, like this uh, interpretation of dragons in early early D and D? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I do, I do. Um, I think it's uh, it's really interesting. Uh, you know, I, I I um I might sound like I'm complaining about, but I actually <laughs> actually really like this quirkiness about D and D. There's some things that you know I wouldn't run it this way. You know, that's not how I would I would do it. Uh, I would kind of change things like that. Um, but yeah, the, this kind of interesting interpretation. I love the 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 um. Uh, the breath weapon thing. Um, you know, I like the percentage of talking and the percentage of sleeping. If, if uh, you know, well, sometimes I like to do things ahead of time. 
you know, work them out. And then sometimes I just like to roll the dice and see what happens. Um, and sometimes I kind of cut it both ways. Like I will take these rolls before the session starts and then work it out. I don't think I would use the subduing rules. Hmm. Um, I mean, I don't, I like the idea that the game kind of oh, definitely encourages you to use strategy and talk to the dragons and trickery and everything. Um, you will lose a toe-to-toe -to -toe fight with an old school D&D dragon. Just mm. not a chance. Um, fifth edition um, is designed to fight these monsters in a toe-to-toe -to -toe war of attrition. You know, the, the designers have said that's the way it's designed. So you have a lot of successful hits, but you do a small amount of damage relative to the creature. Mm. Um, and, you know, their marketing has shown that to be popular. People, people like that play. I don't like that sort of that style of play. And if you take that, you know, if you come out of your fifth edition game and decide that you know, your buddy is going to play a first edition game, you're going to die when you, <laughs> when you go toe to toe with the dragon. You're not supposed to go toe to toe with the dragon. You're supposed to have a plan. You're supposed to you're supposed to outsmart it. You're supposed to you trick it. You're supposed to do something like that. So I like that. Yeah, just like uh, the Hobbit. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, so um, I don't know. Actually, I say I wouldn't use that, but now I'm trying to think of some crazy scenario where you could sell the dragon. Personally, <laughs> as a player, I would be really worried about anybody who bought a dragon. Yeah, it'll be like mad wizard. What the heck gods. is he going to do with that dragon? <laughs> yeah, I, I can't imagine like a, like, a, like a kingdom, a king and queen trying to buy a dragon. That that would not, that's just, why? That's a recipe of disaster. I would think only like a mad wizard, gods. Uh, mad King Ludwig buys a dragon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know. I like this thirst. I yeah, I, I I like the I love old D and I, I just love the um, I love the openness of it. Um, this is really interesting. This is from again from White Box D and D. Other character types that this bit is called. Uh, quote, there is no reason that players cannot be allowed to play as virtually anything, provided they, can, they begin relatively weak and work up to the top. A player wishing to be a dragon would have to begin as, let's say, a young one and progress upwards in the usual manner, steps being predetermined by the campaign referee. Hmm. So I like that. You know, I, I am guilty of complaining about the... Uh, the kitchen sink approach of um, 5e and how you can play all sorts of ridiculous creatures. But there it is in black and white, right in the very beginning, you could always play ridiculous creatures. Yeah. The, the difference is, of course, that um, uh, as predetermined by your campaign referee, which I suppose is still the case, uh, you know, technic you know, the game is different at each table and each referee or DM sets the parameters. But if the rule book says I can play as a, as a cat demon 
dragon elf, then um, then I'm going to expect to be able to play as that. And, yeah. and, and you know, no, I, but, I, 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 I agree with you. The setting to me is when a game master is, has to do a good job in setting up the setting and and formulating the, the world building rules around everything. Because so like I, I'm OK with playing a setting where there's only like six ancestries or races to choose from. That's fine. I'm OK with settings where there's like 48 to 50 things to choose from. OK, that's fine, too. It, it, like riffs from Palladium. Yeah. Yeah, that, sure. that places <laughs> riffs as a setting is pure chaos. So yeah, you <laughs> might you might see a samurai rabbit with uh, Kryptonian powers pop in. That's possible. Um, depending how you set up GURPS, that's another one you could do almost anything in. Oh sure, sure. If if we were playing um, uh, like fifth edition style of, of, of options in a setting like The Hobbit. That may not work. I can't see Dragonborn, for example, working in a in a you know in J.R. Tolkien's world. It just will be well, unbalanced and wouldn't feel right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, and, and for that to work, you have to be you have to sell it to me as a game master. Um, I, I I've uh, played games where everyone's a hobbit or a halfling in an adventure. Sure. You know, uh, and that yeah, worked yeah. out well. Uh, worked out well. You know, it, it, again, it's all about how the setting is put together. Uh, so there is. Um, second edition this is um a module source book not a box set uh called the council of worms okay Um, yeah i've heard of it yeah where you get to uh play dragons oh yeah Um, that's right yeah yeah you know and i think again that works um if everyone is playing a dragon if you're (laughs) like a first level elf hanging out with dragons that might not you might not last long (laughs) you know but i it, it it could work you know, it, um, it's all about how the game master or dungeon master sets up the setting. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I, yeah, I would like to, not that it has anything to do with me, but I would like, I would be happier if the fifth edition managed to set up all its crazy creatures like GURPS did. Like, like GURPS is entirely optional. Everything is optional. You, the, you know, as a as a GM, you can't just say let's play GURPS because that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> you have to say we're going to play this type of world. We're we're going to play James Bond, or we're going to play Burrows and Bunnies, or it's GURPS. So we're going to play James Bond meets Burrows and Bunnies. <laughs> so, you know, you can play these types of creatures. So, um, you know, D and D has always had kind of this implied setting in the um in the base rule books and then second edition came along and said screw it we're just gonna have a million different awesome settings so (laughs) (laughs) but still the basic rule book had an implied setting kind of this kind of this vague you know european medieval place um and it still does you know, 5e has an implied setting, you know, um, I just can't figure it out. It's like this implied setting that's like, you know, Disney World or something. It's got so many weird creatures. I'm like, what? Wow. So this is the problem. There's one thing I don't like about 5th edition is that the the default setting is for Realms. And and if you 
we love the lore of Forgotten Realms from even from the second edition days. I don't, I don't know. You'll definitely have a different feeling for it, whether it be good or bad, because it's it's changed a lot. They have added. If you're if you're very picky about what type of uh, people and creatures, cultures, everything in a setting and how everything is balanced, every edition adds different things to it and changes the lore, and it's very frustrating. So it's wow. if you if you if you like the Icewind Dale stuff um, from Ari Salvatore or the other novels out there, um, and then you look at how things are now, you're going to be that's a that's been it's, it's a huge it's almost like a different plane of reality. That isn't that is incredibly different, actually. I I'd, I'd forgotten that fifth edition's default was Forgotten Realms. That's where I used to play when I when I first started playing. Um, my game was second edition, and the world was Forgotten Realms, and none of these weird creatures would have worked. Mm. Uh, <laughs> it, that 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 would really that's crazy. I remember <clears throat> I was running it, and um, we had played a Dark Sun game. And I had a player who really liked the Thrykeen, right? The, the giant four-armed praying mantises. Yeah. And they're a player, they're a player character on, on uh, Dark Side. And they're in the monsters manual in Forgotten Realms. And he said, I want to play one. And I said, I don't think that's a good idea. He said, I want to play one. I said, no, I don't, I don't think that's a good idea. I, I, I really want to play one. Okay, fine, go ahead, play one. So he made one up and he walked in the town and the town freaked out and called the guards and everybody attacked him and killed him. And he got upset with me. I said, of course they did. You're a giant bug. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're a four-armed bug armed with swords and everything. Those don't walk in the town in, in, on the Sword Coast. That's, that's, not, that's not a thing. Um, or if it is, it's an invasion from another world and everybody's going to freak out. So apparently things have really changed on the on the Sword Coast because in my day, if a half demon walked into a bar, everybody would freak out. The issue, my issue with Forgotten Realms is that I feel like it's trying to be too much like Galarian and Pathfinder. Now in Galarian, you can, um, there's much more options for ancestries and everything. And that's okay because the world building, the setting makes up for that. Even it was like that, even in first edition Pathfinder. And Forgotten Realms is not, not like that it's not i think it's trying to be that and to me it's if you're an old school fan it just fails it just doesn't doesn't feel right you know um i that's why I, me personally i, I feel more uh, pulls uh, a stronger pull toward galari because i feel like they take their setting and their world building much more serious um you know um like i wish they would uh, i don't know i don't know if there's even been a good explanation of how suddenly the dragonborn or in Forgotten Realms, I don't know. If there's been, uh, um, you know, all of that, you know, that so that they're not attacked on sight <laughs> when yeah, someone sees yeah. them. Dragonborn, Dragonborn. That reminds me of something. You know. Oh right, we were talking about dragons. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. We went way off topic. Um, <laughs> Before we get back, there's actually one more little side note that I had um, while I was reading the uh, white box books. In the beginning, Gygax tells you what you're going to need to play the game. And uh, one of the things you're going to need is chainmail, because I think people uh, chainmail the miniature game, not the armor. Um, <laughs> so I think this is some this is uh, something a lot of people forget, myself included. Originally, in 1974, Dungeons and Dragons wasn't a game; it was a supplement to another game. Hmm. 
right? It was a supplement to chain mail. It wasn't, it wasn't a game by itself. Um, anyway, so he lists all the things you need. And one of them is one patient referee. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that. I, I thought that was great. Not even a referee, but a patient referee. <laughs> <laughs> and to this day, we have not found one. <laughs> Uh, no, we, we, um, OD and D puts a lot of work on the referee. The referee has to do a lot, but, um, anyway, dragons back to dragons. So, uh, that's, that's kind of old D and D. What can you tell me? What about, uh, Manny, you were looking to the later D and D. What, what well, can you tell me about dragons? Let me talk a little bit about second edition. I remember when I, when I really got into D and D during the second edition era, I love the fact that they were expanding the types of dragons out there. I thought, to me, that was very exciting. So every time oh, yeah, yeah. you get a, a, a new uh, compendium, uh, a new monstrous compendium, uh, there'll be some sort of new dragon. It could be a, like a Mercury dragon or something like that. Yes, um, yes. I love I, the monsters compendiums. Yeah, yeah. And I don't, I don't know, I was I always found that fast. I always, always loved dragons as a, as a, uh, so one of my favorite mythological creatures of all time. Sure. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I think if uh, some of my favorite things from second edition was, again, I mentioned the Council of Worms. Um, yep. I thought that was a great idea. Um, uh, Dragon Mountain, people tend to talk. I've never played Dragon Mountain, but everyone. I did. Oh, you did? Oh. Yes, did like I went it? all the way through it. I came out of that as a 22nd level wizard. Nice. Nice. Yeah. No, it was pretty awesome. It was pretty awesome. Um, it even had a pretty funny ending. Uh, we uh, we got to the final fight, and and I cast enlarge on the whole party. So we were you're doing the whole fight. You were all of us were 12, 16 feet tall, or whatever. And uh, finally, at the end, we managed to take down the um, the anti teleportation field, and I teleported us all back to my tower, forgetting that we were all. 16 feet tall and we destroyed my tower <laughs> like, ah. just standing there in the rubble of my tower going god oh, damn it <laughs> that's okay you know so yeah there, there was that um but i think honestly if you ask me like what is the like like uh dragon the source book supplement anything in dnd dragonlance dragonlance i love the setting for dragonlance if if uh you complained before that dnd did not have enough dragons back then Oh, that, that solved the, <laughs> this solved the problem right away. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's such a great story. I feel like it's an evolution of what Gygax did for uh, Greyhawk with, um, with Bahamut and the unnamed Tiamat. <laughs> um, yes, yes. You, know, you, you got, uh, you got Takesis trying to conquer the world, taking all the, the, the good dragon age and corrupting them into these draconian monsters. Oh, the draconians. Um, yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. They were great. And each one had a different way that they died. It was just, Oh yeah, that was crazy. That that was actually my first reaction when when I saw Dragonborn. Like, wait, you can play a draconian? Aren't those bad guys? <laughs> Which uh, they finally do show up as a fifth edition monster. Um, okay. In the in the, right. their best theory, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I I thought Dragonlance was such a great um, setting. Like, definitely one of my favorites. It's one of the ones I'm waiting for them to to uh, bring back in fifth edition, mm -hmm. you know, even if I, even, well, I know, I know I'm sure it's going to be changed, but I just love the world so much. You know, I, yeah, I've, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I have, I have to <clears throat> kept up with the third edition books for Dragonlance, even though I, I didn't like where the novels were going at the end. Um, but I thought, again, 
uh, it was uh, it was just a great setting. Um, you know what I heard? Uh, I was I was reading about this, and I I wasn't able to um, I, I wasn't able to verify this because I haven't got my Dragonlance book. I I had the Dragonlance book. I don't know where it is now. The 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 manual the 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 D the, the rule book. Um, so someone wait, was saying that we talk about this one. Um, uh, where are you? I see you. Ah. I'm sure you have it. Yes, this I'm one? sure it's that. Yes, that one right there. That one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I know you guys can see it, but I'm looking at the uh, Dragonlance Adventures, the first edition source book in D and D. So, um, someone online was saying that the Dragonlance, the weapons. Um, worked the same way that breath weapons did for the dragons in that they did damage equal to the wielder's current hit die. That's what they said. Not sure. I have to look that up. I don't Um, know. Sounded pretty cool. Yeah. But it might not be true. I don't know. I wasn't able to check it out. Oh, I wanted wanted to to move beyond uh, D&D and talk about dragons in other games. So uh, dragons, for instance, are in Dungeon Crawl Classics, of course. And as you might imagine, uh, the dragons are all unique. You know, every dragon's supposed to be the dragon, not a dragon. Um, and they are weird and they are very powerful. There are four tables of powers and abilities and uh, and as if that wasn't enough, that's all in the main book. And then when you get to the dungeon alphabet and the monsters alphabet, they add more dragon stuff. So you just have tons and tons of dragon stuff. Um, and then, um, well, I forgot go, going back to DD, I forgot Dark Sun. Dark Sun has one dragon. <laughs> One dragon that's so evil and so big and so powerful that he is unique. There's one dragon on that whole terrible planet. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's just incredible. <laughs> but um, yeah, let's definitely you know, talk about let's definitely talk about Dark Sun in another episode. Hopefully, we'll sure, for that. Yeah. Oh wow, Dark Sun's amazing. But uh, <clears throat> you get dragons in all sorts of odd places. There, are, there are dragons in Star Wars. Right there's the there's the uh, Kriat dragons uh, on Tatooine uh, that um, have not. I think they they don't really have true Kyber crystals, but they have something like those that you can make. You can make uh, you can make like synthetic lightsabers out of. Interesting. I didn't know there were dragons in Star Wars. I mean, I guess I uh, well, assumed. they call them dragons. I mean, you know, what what is a dragon? Yeah. Uh, um. So, but what are what are you know what are some of your drag favorite dragons outside of D and D? Did you see the Dragon Prince? The TV show, the the one yeah. Netflix. Uh, yeah, yeah. I haven't finished it yet, but I am intrigued. I love the uh, setting for that world. I, I love uh, where it's heading. I love the characters, uh, but I haven't finished it yet. You know. Okay. okay. Um, the dragons there are are uh, amazing yeah you know, <clears throat> you know godlike 
you know, the huge ruling nations and things. That's that's what I like to see in a dragon. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of that, this is what we're on a topic about um, uh, books outside of D and D. Um, just remind me to go back. I just I want to talk a little bit about the dra Draconomicons. Um, okay. Yeah. A bit. But before we get to that, um, so I want to talk about probably my favorite uh, dragon venture. And, and this changes every year, of course. Um, <laughs> so a uh, few years ago, um, Cubicle 7, Cubicle 7 released Adventures in Middle-Earth, uh, the Erebor Adventures. And um, there's a, now this, the only thing really puzzling about this adventure is that it should have been the last adventure in the book. The book has five adventures, I believe. Yep. Let me see, uh, maybe six. Um, and in the middle of it is a, there's a, an adventure called Sleeping Dragon's Lie. And for 30 pages, I, for those 30 pages have some of the amazing, like, uh, adventure scenario for a dragon, in my opinion, because it mm. talks about not just that, hey, you have to defeat a dragon, you have to deal with the weather consequences around it, um, some of the evil that uh, that attracts, that wants to be around the area, because this dragon has affected the entire uh, surrounding region and with weather and, and, and uh, the mood and, and the tone, like everything changes. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, like yeah. as you as you as you're traveling closer to fight this dragon, uh, you see like just things are withering. You know, things are uh, rivers and are drying up. You know, it gets hotter. Obviously, hey, what what they call them in Hobbit in the Hobbit uh, dragon sign? Isn't that what they said? I believe so. Yeah. There were no creatures. There were you know, and there were just there were just ravens, but there were no other birds. And the, the the plants were dead just because sometimes smog got bored and popped up and burnt stuff. <laughs> <laughs> also, you couldn't just waltz around and say, hey, I'm going to go fight a dragon. You have to be careful not to make yourself too known because the dragon will know and it will attack you. Will, the game will end with a dragon leaving its mountain or sorry, uh, actually no, watchtower. It's a watchtower in this in this yeah. adventure. And it'll, it'll leave and come find you and try to destroy you. I just Here's love dragon. that. No, that's great. Dragons have spies. Dragons are intelligent, and you know, and a lot of dragons in in the, the monsters manual are listed as genius. Some of them are listed as super genius. Super hmm. genius. So, <laughs> super genius might mean you're as smart as coyotes. So that, that might be kind of looping around in the stupid again. But genius <laughs> means that a dragon isn't just going to sit there and wait for you to come up and attack him. He, you know, he has spies out there. If you if you walk around town telling people that you're going to fight the dragon, they're going to know about it. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, another book that I like is the um, uh, uh, it's uh, our Talzorian's um, our Talzorian games of uh, the Witcher's Journal, which is their monster manual for the for the Witcher role playing game. Um, okay. There's a section about dragons. There's, there's these variation of dragons that are just they're great what's great about the witcher as you're familiar with matt is that they always take a lot of these like monster tropes and kind of twist them a little bit to make them very different and mm -hmm. they do that with dragons as well they have like sort of variation of dragons that are like them but they're not and then there's true dragons and the way if you look at it like from a technical way, maybe they don't seem that original, you know, they have the different uh, color dragons and so forth, but the way it's described, so the, the it's not just a monster, it doesn't just give you like stat blocks and so forth. It describes from, <laughs> from a, a trainer talking to you, 
what yeah. how you could beat the dragon and a lot of times the information they give you is not always correct it's just there's just a lot of it's guesswork like all right we think Ooh. they may have a soft belly uh they we i like they, that we think they may have spells but we're not too sure <laughs> you know it's you know they they have only just limited amounts of information from from like third fourth fifth fifth like sources of like yeah. of how yeah. maybe they beat a dragon you know um uh, but uh, but yeah, I, I thought that was a. I think that's a fun book. Um, and uh, I like the idea of doing research about the dragon ahead of time. You know, yeah. To me, that, you, know, that, you just stumble into the dragon's lair. You, the dragon's got a name. The dragon's got a history, and so you, you have to travel to, you know. Uh, the imperial capital to get into the library to look something up and it tells you that the dragon is susceptible to this particular weapon and so now you have to track it down it becomes like this quest to get what you need to fight the dragon you're not even there yet so i'm sure you heard this before how many times where a player is trying not try not to metagame let's say it's against a vampire and we all yeah. know the weaknesses to a vampire but they yep. try not to metagame and so they're they're making roles or they're asking the GM, maybe, okay, how, what do I know about this yeah, creature? Yeah, yeah. And you don't want to give away, me personally, I try not to say like, oh, it's a vampire. So you know what to do. I hate that because I feel like you yeah. ruined the, the mystery of it. Um, yeah. I, I try to do like, okay, you heard rumors that this could be defeated and then you kind of make roles or maybe you want to do some secret roles because who knows, maybe the information they're getting is not correct. <laughs> um, you know, so I, I think, but there's not a lot, in my opinion, a lot, especially with the older books, not a lot of rules or or guidance i should say that helps help game masters be more mysterious with their monsters hmm. yeah yeah um that's one that's one great strength of uh dungeon crawl classics because one, one of their guiding principles is that um no monster should be a standard monster every monster should be a unique monster. So you shouldn't know anything about vampires because there are no vampires as a class. There's Count Vampire over there. And he's <laughs> an individual. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, Count Vampire is very different from Lady Nosferatu who lives over there. Yeah. So, um, and that's what all those crazy tables are for to help you figure things out. So, you know, you can have uh, let me look this up. You know, you, your dragon could be made out of clockwork, for instance, or let's see, your, um, of below average size, or a dream dragon. This dragon is not flesh and blood, but a manifestation of the dungeon's inhabitants' belief that a dragon dwells among them. That's kind of weird. That actually, that reminds me of something I forgot to mention. Uh, Discworld. I looked up the dragons in my uh, Discworld book, my GURPS Discworld. And um, true to form, uh, Terry Pratchett has two different types of dragons covering the two different extremes of Discworld. On one hand, you have swamp dragons, which are silly and often blow themselves up. <laughs> And they're not very big. <laughs> um, on the other hand, you have ancient magic uh, eating dragons that were so powerful and consumed so much magic 
that when the world's magic started to dry up, they receded into the human mind. <laughs> and now they only exist in the, the, the collective subconscious. And, and they can be summoned up by certain powerful idiots. Who, who, <laughs> and then they show up and are, and are unstoppable. Basically, you know, it, it says in the book that if, if there's one of these, the whole campaign should be about trying to find some way of discovering a weakness or convincing the dragon to go someplace else or somehow working around it because there's no way that you can actually fight it. Hmm. Which kind of makes sense because it's not it's not a creature of flesh and blood. It's like kind of like the dream dragon. It's this creature of a, imagination kind of in that weird kind of vague sort of way that some of Pratchett gets, you know, I'm yeah. sure you've, you've read Pratchett. He swings back and forth, right? Sometimes it's, you know, very nitty gritty and, and small and funny. And then some, you know, usually near the end of the book, it gets really <laughs> nebulous and weird. Yeah. <laughs> so he's got two different dragons, right? The small swamp dragons who fart too hard and blow themselves up. And the big, huge, godlike, nebulous mind dragons. <laughs> Spirited away. Spirited away is how you do uh, an Asian vampire. Uh, vampire, no, it isn't. Like dragon, 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 dragon. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's enough discussion about um, how e uh, Eastern dragons are so different than Western they dragons. Are. And how, how they're viewed and how, uh, how important yeah. they are. I was re watching... Um, Raya and the Last Dragon recently, and I thought they did a great job in kind of showing the, the the that perspective of dragons. Yeah. Was that um, good? I missed that one. I didn't see that. Um, I have mixed feelings about the the movie overall, but I, I like the dragon, um, the character. Yeah. Um, I, I don't want to get too spoilery, um, but uh, I I I thought um, it was a fantastic portrayal. I enjoyed that a lot. That's for for especially for that character. Uh, and and the world building around it. Um, yeah, yeah, cool. You know, um, one of my favorite film dragon stories was Dragon Slayer. You remember that old movie? Oh, I remember 80s? that. I, I just watched that recently too. Ah, that movie was awesome. <laughs> that that was that was. I remember when I was first watching it. It it took me a while to get into it, only because it was such a very it's a very gritty movie, and it's it very smart. It's it it, there's there's a lot of yeah. things they call back to from the you know earlier in the movie that you have to kind of remember. So I remember watching when I was really young for the first time, and I was and I liked the action, but I just couldn't I didn't grasp it um, much of the the major plot points until much later. Um, that dragon is terrifying. Yeah, that was that's how you do a dragon in a cave. You can't see it; it's moving in the dark. You know, it's it's fire fills up everything. The cave's full of 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 you know bodies and 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 gore oh yeah <laughs> that, was, that was a frightening dragon that was great <laughs> do i have a favorite dragon movie yeah because they don't do them very well at times you know um uh no. when they do it like look, i saw the the sean connery one Dragonheart. And, yes. uh, yeah and that, that was okay yeah. but it was like i don't know oh um rain of fire that's a really good dragon movie that's the one with um Matthew McCauley and, and Christian Bale with the dragons. So they, they humanity accidentally releases th these dragons hidden under Europe and they just destroy the world. And the humans are just trying their best to yeah. take it back. That that's a great dragon movie. 
I should check that one out. What about um I liked I actually liked How to Train Your Dragon. Those aren't those movies aren't too bad. I enjoy those. Those are good. I, I thought those were, I mean for kid movies, I, I enjoyed those for the um I thought the humor was pretty good. You know, kids' movies, the humor can be hit and miss. It's either too low or too high. And I thought those are a good good balance. Um, but I, I loved the um the different types of dragons. Yes. Um, and uh, I, I loved I loved the relationship that the, the people had to the dragons at the beginning of the movie, you know, and I, and I kind of like their sort of nice, you know, let's get along with the dragon sort of thing, but that um, was pretty cool. And, and that, that Uber dragon there at the end, or am I confusing that with the second movie? And one point, one of them was a just monster gigantic dragon oh yes yes um but let me let's go back a little bit to talk about the draconomicon because i think those are important books to talk about because yes. yes. so in every edition after second edition including second edition there's been a dra draconomicon uh supplement or source book uh of, of some sort at fifth edition they named it something different but second edition had one it was about a little over 100 pages and it, it was the first book that kind of talked about like all right, what are dragons like? And they had a very interesting theory about the evolution of dragons. You know, mm. like like there was like a dragon and then split off to like uh, like drakes and so forth, uh, which was pretty interesting. Um, and it had like some new dragons there and how to, how to it had some some ideas about how to role play a dragon, um, how, what you should do when you're facing a dragon. So it was kind of the first book of its type. <laughs> well, yeah, that's... <laughs> Third edition, uh, it was twice, twice size and a little bit more of the first yep. Draconomicon. And uh, that included, they started including like a lot more dragons and then dragon feats, dragon magic, uh, a lot more expansive ideas about how to how to uh, role play a dragon. Um, you know, that that's a that's a pretty serious book. Fourth edition, <laughs> they added even more material, so much more material to their Draconomicon that it was it was in two books. And and together <laughs> they were like they're over 400 pages, one for chromatic and one for metallic. Um, mm. And those are filled with information. Um, and again, I, I think each book is great, even though the lore or even some of the, obviously, especially the rules are applicable if you're, depending on what edition you're playing. Um, but it, it's a lot of great information about dragons, I felt. Um, but believe it or not, and I, I know a lot of if you, old school people don't like fifth edition. But if I had to buy a book for someone that didn't like Fifth Edition from Fifth Edition, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's definitely a Fistband's Treasury of Dragons. Yeah. Um, that is, it's a great book. Um, so one thing I, I appreciate that some of the older Draconomicons talked about like the biology of the dragon or the evolution of the dragon. Um, and they go into like pages and pages about that. But I, I find that information maybe useful. Like, like not, no. I find that information um, interesting to a certain level, but I never use that lore for playing. You know, no no player character ever asks like, "Hey, how much air can a dragon breathe?" Exactly. You know, like, <laughs> you know, like, what's the liver of a dragon look like? You know, <laughs> you know, uh, what are the stages of a dragon in, like a million years ago from today? No, no one asked those questions. You know, <laughs> um, I, I what I like about it, it goes straight into like the lore and it and it's really expands the idea of dragons even more so. The idea of these dragons that are so old, they're called great worms. They are so old and so powerful, they actually destroy worlds. 
like they're like galactus level threats okay you know? yeah yeah you know but what what is great about it is that and fourth edition was sort of leaning to it a little bit of third edition but whenever they talk about each type of dragon and there's a lot of dragons in this book um besides the the, the you know the color dragon the chromatic dragons and metallic dragons they they give you like a little brief scenario of what the caves look like and and do like a small like a game encounter so i don't know no one can see it but i'll show matt so like for oh hey thanks <laughs> for, for the for the crystal dragon they have a map of the layer. Oh, that's, that's pretty cool. You yeah. And, and there's like charts of what creatures you might find in there. There might be with the dragons, uh, what we may find in there. What's their habitat like? What treasures would a crystal dragon have and so forth? Sure, sure. You know, and of course wow. it has. So, yeah, I think this, so I think this is like, like a really good book so that like even if you don't play fifth edition, I could easily take this in like first edition and just cool. keep the maps, keep the cool. lore. Um I, I, I could, I'm familiar enough with role playing that I, I'm, I'm okay with changing stats of the creature, so that's not a problem for oh, me. Oh, sure, sure. You know, yeah. um, but it's, it's a, I think it's a, there's a lot of really good information in there. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I just want to just um, talk about these, these Dracon, Draconomicon series of books, which I think they're, they're really great. And I hope, um, should, should DD go into another edition, they keep, um, uh, putting this out and also books about the underdark because I love books about the underdark. <laughs> you know, you when you said that um, fourth edition split their Dragonomicon in two, it reminded me that Hackmaster, uh, when they put out their their monster manual, their huge monster manual, um, which is really a phenomenal book, a lot of people said, hey, wait a minute, you missed something. Where are the dragons? And they said, oh, well, just you wait. They actually put out an entire manual just about dragons. Wow. <laughs> yeah, okay. they had so much stuff to put in that they just left it out of the monster manual and gave them a whole book just of their own. So well, I, I, I got I got to look for that. That I'm intrigued because I, uh, especially with what humor <laughs> maybe found within those pages. <laughs> you know, for those of you listening, uh, Hackmaster is made by the. The guys from um, uh, Matt, you well, say better. Their Kenzer Co. is the name of the company, and uh, they pr they produce uh, Knights of the Dinner Table, and Hackmaster is the role playing game played by the characters in Knights of the Dinner Table comic. It's, it's pretty cool, um, and uh, the this particular thing I'm talking about, I believe, was from their older edition. They have a newer edition, but they have wonderful stuff. And uh, you should definitely check them out. Kenzerco.com is how to find them. Hmm. Okay. Well, we, we should wrap up. We, we could go on forever uh, about this. <laughs> I, um, I hear wings approaching. I think we're, I think the Dragon <laughs> Council is on to us. So that's it for this week. All right, everyone. Take care. Be safe. And uh, we'll see you in a cave somewhere. <laughs> take care. Okay. Watch out for Dragon Sign. 